our subject for today, which is reincarnation. So our question that we titled this class is, do Jews believe in reincarnation? So many religions, particularly religions of the East, um, Buddhism, Hinduism, believe that people die and people come back as new people, usually having forgotten their previous lives. And so many of us may then be previous people that were once here before that we perhaps are unaware of and we had these previous lives. So the question that we're asking today is, does Judaism believe in reincarnation? The one word answer to that question is no. Judaism does not believe in reincarnation. You were never here before and you will never come back as somebody else. So why then did I title the class, Do Jews Believe in Reincarnation? Because although Jews do not believe in reincarnation, Judaism does not believe in reincarnation, we do believe in a somewhat similar concept that is often confused with reincarnation, which makes people sometimes believe that Jews believe in reincarnation mistakenly. And what I'm going to try to do is explain to you this other concept that has maybe some similarities, so you'll see why it can be confused with reincarnation, but it is not reincarnation. It is called Gilgal. The term for it is Gilgal, and it is explained in great detail by the Kabbalists. And so I'm going to try to explain this very difficult concept called Gilgal. In Kabbalah, we often call it not just Gilgal, but we call it Sod HaGilgal, which means the secret of Gilgal. The reason, or there's going to be another part to Gilgal, which I'm going to soon talk about, called Ibor, and we also call it Sod Ha'ibor. And the reason why we call it secret is not that it is hit a secret, it is published and anybody can study about it, but it is extremely complicated and extremely difficult to understand. So I'm going to attempt to try to simplify it and explain this in the simplest terms um, that I can so that we can all understand what the Jewish concept of Gilgul and Ibor are. But before we try to explain what Gilgal is and what Ibor is, we first need to explain what uh, the Jewish belief in the soul. So what is a soul? So a soul is our real selves. So in other words, the I, the I who thinks, who's thinking? I am thinking. Who's I? That I is my soul. And it's not really my soul, I am the soul. Who feels? The I that feels is the soul. When I talk to you, I'm not talking to your stomach or your head or your heart or your ears. I'm speaking to you, the individual. That individual is the soul. When you talk to me, it is the soul. Yes, our mouth is doing the talking and our ear is doing the hearing and our brain is doing the processing and our brain is making our heart palpitate in different ways as we get emotional. But the I, the person, the individual, often called the consciousness, that is the soul. Now, we believe that our souls are eternal. 
Our souls existed before we were born and continue to exist after we die. So we don't believe in what we call afterlife, but rather we believe that life is just a very small part of our eternal story of the soul. So the soul existed before we were born and will continue to exist after we die. The soul will continue to be there. We, not just the soul, I will always was and I will continue to be. I am not going anywhere. And the same is for our loved ones who have died. They do not disappear. They continue to exist, except we no longer exist in our body. Now, while we are in our current stage, what we call alive, while we are in our current stage, while we are in our body, what happens is the soul is, the Kabbalists call it, enclosed in the body. Enclosed meaning the soul is now stuck in the body to the point that I cannot see anything outside of my body. I cannot hear anything outside of my body. I have no awareness of what reality looks like outside of what my body is able to tap into. So while the soul itself, while I am really a spiritual being, while stuck in the body, I can only live within the body's experiences. Which means that in our current state of life, while we are alive, we, don't, we cannot even imagine what the soul is actually like because we have no way to imagine spirituality. Spirituality means something that has no physical um, connotations whatsoever. Cannot be measured, not with eyesight, not with light, cannot be measured with sound, cannot be measured with touch, it cannot be measured with any physical instruments. So if spirituality cannot be measured, we have no way, and we are currently within a body state, so we have no way of even picturing or imagining what the soul, what a spiritual soul is even like, what it's even made up of. Nor do we even know um, what life is like outside of the body. Because we cannot even imagine what a spiritual experience is like. Because we've never, we can only experience in our current state that which we can experience through our body. Nevertheless, we believe that our soul exists. We are the soul. And that our soul is spiritual. And that before we were born and after we die, our soul continues to live this spiritual existence. So, where does our soul come from? And what then is Gilgal? So to understand exactly what Gilgal is, we have to first explain another important Kabbalistic concept called Tikkun. And Tikkun is explained in very, very great detail by the greatest of Kabbalists known as the Arizal, um, about a half a year ago, we did a class about the Arizal. The Ari lived about 450 years ago in Safad, and he was perhaps the greatest teacher of Kabbalah of all times. And um, so he writes extensively about Tikkun. So Tikkun means to enhance, um, uh, to uh, improve something. And Tikkun is the purpose for which God created our world. God created our world for the sake of tikkun. In other words, he created our world 
imperfect or a world perfect, but a world that can be dramatically enhanced and improved on. And then God placed us here on earth with the goal of improving our world and enhancing our world. That is the power of Tikkun. We have the goal of enhancing our world. How do we do that? So, for us, for the members of God's covenant, B'nai Brit, the Jewish people, the members of God's covenant, Carol, can you close the windows? God gave us a specific, uh, God, for the members of God's covenant, God gave us a specific guide to follow, to enhance our world, and that is through following the commandments that he gave us. He gave us 613 commandments, and through fulfilling those 613 commandments, we are able to then enhance our world and perfect our world. So this job of enhancing, perfecting our world and bringing our world to perfection. Some time ago we spoke about, a couple weeks ago we spoke about the future times, the end of times, and the state of perfection when we achieve that goal. But we are all part of this universal mission to enhance and perfect our world, this mission of tikkun. It is a mission that we are all in together, we're all part of, it is the, uh, and it is not just us today, but historically, all of history shares this entire, this mission together of perfecting our world. And then this serves as the underlying mission of all souls. So Kabbalah explains that all souls or- originate from the original mission and purpose of creation. The original general mission, which is filled with detail, but there's a general mission of perfecting our world, that is the source of all of our souls. And all of it was actually included in what's called Neshama Klalit, or the original general soul, um, which um, was actually found in Adam. Adam had part of this general soul, which included the mission of all of humanity throughout all of history. Now, so we all have this general mission. However, Kabbalah explains that our general mission of perfecting our world through and through, in a spiritual sense, perfecting it, which is through following God's different commandments and different things that he expects us to do, and particularly God's chosen people through following the 613 commandments, um, we fulfill that mi- there are, this, our mission is subdivided into six, 100,000 submissions. So the general mission is split into 600,000 submissions. And those 600,000 submissions were each represented by each of the 600,000 members of, the, of Israel who left Egypt led by Moses. Each one represented another one of those missions that of Tikkun. Now, each soul is then further subdivided into more, more submissions and more submissions so that every single person is given a unique mission within their a submission, within their mission, which is one of the 600,000 of the general missions of all of humanity that was placed here on earth. 
So every person is then placed on earth with what's called the tikkun. Every person has their tikkun. Every person has their unique mission, their unique enhancement that only they can fulfill, only they can do, only they can achieve and accomplish. And God sends, gives every person the tools they will need to fulfill their mission and directs us as we go through life towards the mission that we are supposed to fulfill. And our mission includes many, many, many different details. It's not just a single part. It's many, many, many different parts of our, subparts within our mission. And over our lifetime, as we follow different mitzvot, different commandments, and sometimes just doing things, that uh, good, different good things um, that we do throughout our life, we are gradually enhancing our world and fulfilling that mission. How do we find our mission? So we have no way, again, our mission is, has meant much detail to it. We have no particular way to identify what our specific mission is. However, we believe that by following God's instructions, by following the manual, we are able to then enhance our mission. We're able to then work towards our mission of enhancing the world as we follow God's instructions. Particularly, we have to be very cognizant of everything that God sends our way in order to fulfill our mission. In other words, he sends things our way because that's what we need in order to fulfill our mission. So, now that we understand tikkun, we now are able to understand what Gilgul is. So, unfortunately, what happens is, some people fail over their lifetime to fulfill every part of their mission perfectly. They failed, they were sent down here with lots of different things that they were supposed to do over their lifetime to enhance our world spiritually and make it more godly, bringing us closer towards our end goal. And they failed to fulfill some of the parts of the, that mission. What happens is, when that soul then dies, having failed to, or when that person dies, sorry, the soul never dies, and that soul then continues on, part of that mission remains unfulfilled. But because we're part of a global mission, that mission still needs to get done. Someone's got to do it. So what happens is that soul then spins off a spark, which is called Gilgul. Gilgul means to roll. It rolls out a spark of the mission that is then attaches to a new soul that descends into this world. And that new soul then has the ability to fill the mist parts of the mission from the previous soul that failed to fulfill the mission. So uh, one soul fail, fails to fulfill every detail of their mission. The next soul, they then spin up sparks of the remainder of their mission to other new souls that have yet to come down. Those souls then come down, that soul then comes down with that mission to fill the mission of the previous soul. Now, sometimes a soul not only fails to fulfill their mission, but also damages themselves. Or they damage the world around them. 
not only did they not enhance the world around them, they damaged the world around them, and in turn damaged the, their own soul. Um, it's called the Kabbalistic term is pogem, and by sinning, doing something wrong, and then failing. Sometimes, if you do something wrong, you could still clean it up within your lifetime. They did something wrong, and they failed to clean it up within their lifetime. So now, when that soul comes, ends their lifetime, and they continue um, in their spiritual existence, they need now to spin off the damaged parts of their soul into a new soul that will then come to this world and be able to clean up the mess that was left by the previous soul. So, today, almost all souls... Almost all souls, the mission that we are given are spin-offs of previous souls. Because we are already more than 3,000 years after our Torah was given. And so all souls are more than six, uh, almost, uh, almost 6,000 years after creation. So almost all souls today are really just filling in because much of the mission has been done already and all the possible missions have generally already come down. All the possible 600,000 have come down and all their submissions. And so we are sent down here with the role of cleaning parts of people who failed to fully fulfill their mission or our goal or our purpose is to clean up from other people who have perhaps ruined or made a mess in this world, we have to clean up for them. So we are not that other person in any way. We are our own person. We are our own soul. But we are our mission and our goal and our purpose is a spin-off of a different soul, a Gilgal from a different soul. Often, now, often a single soul can spin off different sparks into different souls. Not always are you a spark of just... Not, not always will all, the, um, all of the um, parts missing in one soul's mission spin off into another single soul. It could spin off into multiple souls. In the same way, sparks from multiple souls can spin off into one soul. So likely, we are not, our mission that we have today is not just, to spiritual, uh, not just to spiritually enhance our world, to make up for that which one soul perhaps missed out on, or one soul may have messed up, but it may be a collection of different parts of what different souls left behind. We're cleaning up after many different souls trying to enhance um, their um, their mission. Now, so, and then, and so each one of us can then be made up of these different sparks of different souls that we then have to clean up for. Again, we are not those other people. We were, never were those other people. But our mission is an extension of what those other souls have failed to complete. Now, not only a bad soul, a soul that failed to complete its mission must come down again, but e or spins off a spark, and it mu that mission must be fulfilled. But even a tzaddik, a righteous person, who is perfectly righteous, 
In other words, a soul that was given a submission and it succeeded 100% in fulfilling its mission without leaving any mess whatsoever. It didn't mess up at all. It did everything. That's a tzaddik. That's a perfectly righteous individual. Even a perfect person that has done their mission also will spin off parts of their soul because having fulfilled their mission, they will often within their soul have tools to help other souls fulfill their mission. So a tzaddik that has already been here on earth and succeeded in fulfilling all of their entire mission entirely, and it's done, they also will spin sparks off into other souls, giving them the energy and the power from the previous soul to be able to fulfill parts of the mission. So they will never spin off just to a soul, will never be just a tzaddik that was here before that fulfilled their mission entirely because there's no reason for them to come down. But a person can be made up of a tzaddik that was here before and fulfilled their mission entirely along with sparks of other souls that failed to fulfill their mission or even messed up and now they need their mess to be cleaned up and so, uh, and now the tzaddik spark in their soul will help them fulfill their mission. The most of us are not only made up of souls, not only have sparks in our soul from previous missions that need to be, uh, that haven't been fulfilled or that we need to make up for, but most of us also have sparks in our soul from tzaddikim, from righteous people who have fulfilled their mission and have now, are now giving us the power to fulfill our mission with those extra sparks. So that is a very brief, very, very brief understanding of what Gilgul is. The Gilgul literally translates as rolling. Souls roll off sparks or spin off sparks um, spinning maybe is a better translation, spin-off sparks from um, their incomplete mission, or sometimes from a tzaddik, even a completed mission, onto a new soul that's coming down, that that new soul now has there um, in order to create this new mission. Yes, Debbie? So, it's not the souls that go back into new people, it's just a spark, and not the soul. It's a spark that defines your mission. So you were never here before. You are not someone else. But your purpose and your goal and your mission is a continuation of others. So the souls don't... No, we do not. That's how I started. We do not believe in reincarnation. Now... Yes. It's a spin-off of the soul, which essentially gives us our mission, our purpose, or in the case of a tzaddik, can give us special powers that will help us fulfill our mission. Yes, Doc? You indicate that a soul exists prior to it being incorporated within a human body. Yes. And then it exists thereafter. As I... My question. As I think about that, I think that, well... After I've had my soul in my human body, it goes on with the knowledge that I have gained. Yet before I had it in my human body, it's inert. What's happening? Was there this space of all these souls that don't correlate to anything? And, 
and then as you get uh, somebody gets pregnant, they pull so the as we out, put it in the body. Essentially, um, as we explained earlier, we don't really understand what spiritual reality is like. In our current state, even though we are really spiritual, because our soul is really a spiritual existence, in our current state, we are enclosed in a body, and our only frame of reference is that which our body is able to to um, to experience anything that's beyond our bodily experience, we don't really, um, with some exceptions, but we don't real, we aren't really able to um, imagine or know what it's like. So we don't know what spiritual reality is like, what spiritual experience is like, or what spiritual experience for a soul prior to coming to Earth is like, what spiritual experience for a soul after having ended its time on earth is like, like. What we do know is that the soul before and after creation, essentially, before or after birth, before birth or after death, doesn't yet have its set mission. The mission is given for us to fulfill on earth. So that spin-off is given to the soul when it's ready to come down to earth. And then our mission is either completed or incomplete, and then whatever is incomplete, we need to then spin off to other souls. Good question. I touched on it a moment ago. I'm going to get back to it in a moment. But let me, before we go further, let me, let me con- continue. By now we've explained Gilgal very, very briefly. It's, very compl- it's a lot more complicated than what I explained. But I explained it very briefly, very simply. But it w- we would be incomplete if we didn't explain its sister concept of Ibor. So alongside Gilgal which literally means spinning, spinning of souls, we also have a concept called Ibor. Um, Ibor um, perhaps best translates as evolving. So while Gilgamesh refers to a soul spinning off a new mission to a new soul that is coming down to earth, because every soul that comes down to earth comes down with a very set mission, Ibor it addresses what happens to us while we are alive here on earth, while we are going through our life, and it is about how our soul evolves while we are alive. Essentially, God generally does not keep our mission static throughout our lives. We, are, we come down to earth where baby is born with a mission, a purpose that includes many, many, many details that the individual is supposed to accomplish over their lifetime. Sometimes it can be a very short lifetime for some. Sometimes it's going to be a very long lifetime. But many details that people are supposed to accomplish over their lifetime. And that's given to you before you come down. You have a set mission. God would not put you here if you did not have a purpose. However, that mission does not remain static. As we go through our lives, that mission begins to evolve. Sometimes we're doing such a great job at our mission that God decides to expand our mission. Gives us a little bit more work to do. Expands our mission. Sometimes we're doing such a lousy job at our mission that God decides to abort or limit our mission. 
So sometimes, though, circumstances change due to our own actions, whether good or bad. And as a result of those circumstances, a previous mission is perhaps no longer relevant or no longer possible. And then God will adjust our mission. We then get some other mission. Sometimes, sometimes, Um, It's not even our own actions. It's the actions of others. Others acted in certain ways that made our mission no longer relevant or possible or no longer important for us or gave us new things that we are in an opportune place and time and situation to do that were not originally planned for us when we first came down. And then God will adjust our mission accordingly. Now, so because we're part of this great universal mission and we have to use every opportunity, what essentially happens is in our lifetime, sometimes another soul, alive or dead, can spin off a spark of their mission to our soul to enhance or change our mission. And sometimes in our lifetime, within our lifetime, we can spin off sparks of our soul to other souls, both alive or souls not yet alive, in order to, and as we lose parts of our mission. So our mission evolves, we can add to it, lose parts, adjust parts. Take, lose one, gain another. Our mission evolves over our lifetime. And this explains for us a lot about how our lives take twists and turns. It also helps explain what a concept that we call in Yiddish, your bashert. Your bashert means the one that was meant for you. In Kabbalah we explain that the person who you marry, your spouse, is essentially a second half of your soul. Now what we mean by that is not that you are one and the same person. You are not. You are two different people. And you will remain two different people. However, you have a joined mission and purpose. And for that reason, you will spend most of your life together. And you do most things together. You create new people, create a family together. But most of your life, not all of your life, you do something separately because you do have certain distinct parts of your mission. But most of your life, much of your life will be done together because much of your mission is a joined mission. And essentially what happens is before birth, God takes a mission and splits it or the parts of a mission that must be fulfilled within a family unit or as a couple, and splits it between two people, where one half will be be for the man, one for the woman, and then later they will meet and marry, and then they will have their joined mission in life. Now, not everybody, of course, uh, for whatever reason, not everybody finds their bashert. And some people have a very, very hard time finding their bashert. So the Ari explains, the Ari explains that if 
your souls are perfectly aligned and perfectly matched, what will happen is very quickly in life, you will essentially just, as soon as you reach adulthood, you will just fall together and you will just come together very quickly and easily. However, what happens is, most people begin, as we reach adulthood, we begin to, our souls begin to evolve. Our missions begin to evolve. And as our mission begins to evolve and we lose some things and gain some others, what happens is we sometimes stop matching our bashert so well. And as a result, it becomes very, very hard to find our bashert because they don't match us so much. We won't necessarily easily cross paths since our missions, God sends us on paths towards our mission. If our missions have diverged somewhat, we won't easily cross paths. It will be hard to find. Sometimes the Ari says, your bashert that was meant for you when you were born no longer matches you at all and you will not be able to marry them. You have no joined mission anymore. You've totally diverged. And so at that point, you need to find a different bashert. Generally, if you would have gotten new spin-offs, new purposes, you will match up with someone else, not always, but generally, and so you will find a new bashert, a new person for you to match. Now the same thing also happens to somebody who does get married and does get married to their bashert and is married for many years and then um, happily sometimes, sometimes unhappily, and then after many years they part ways, they go different ways. And the Ari explains sometimes, not always, um, sometimes what happens is as we, as we evolve and our mission and purpose evolves, what happens is we and our spouse are heading in different directions because our mission and purpose is pulling us in different directions. And as a result, we are no longer compatible and therefore we are no longer able to remain married and that's what causes the marriage to break down. And then sometimes we can then find another bashert that is now closer and better matches our current mission. So we understand a lot of marriage, divorce, and um, the way we have, has to do with this concept of ibor, the fact that our purpose and our mission evolve as we go through our lifetime. Yes, Bill. Very is the Kabbalah part of our religion? I thought it was something that was ancillary and not really formally part of Judaism. Very good questions. Let me try to address them one by one. I hope you'll forgive me for addressing them out of order. I'm going to first address the last one. Um, Kabbalah is a central part of Judaism. Um, it is a central part of Torah. It was given to us by Moses at Sinai. Anyone who attempts to separate Kabbalah from Judaism is falsifying Kabbalah. And I've, told, I've mentioned this when we did a class on Kabbalah. One should be careful. Kabbalah is and always has been a central part of Torah and a central part of Judaism as taught to us by Moses at Sinai, as, um, as um, passed down through our oral traditions 
from generation to generation like the rest of our Torah as written down like most, all our, most of our oral Torah in the um, early 200s in the, uh, most of it in the book of Zohar and in other important books. Um, the Ari was the great Kabbalist who explained and um, made Kabbalah crystal clear for us to be able to understand, us simple people to be able to understand it. And the Ari, one of the Ari, the Ari didn't write anything himself, but one of his chief disciples, Reb Chaim Vital, who wrote many, many works based on his teachings of his master, wrote a book called Shar HaGilgulim, The Gate of Gilgul, which deals extensively, its entire book dealing with Gilgul and Ibor. And that is the source of much of what I'm saying today. Um, I am not well versed in the subject. It's a somewhat complex subject, um, but that's the source of it. Matika. Like my kids, well, everybody in my family is in an interfaith marriage. Okay? Does that dilute the soul? Not every marriage that a person has is their bashert. That's important to know. No. Not always. Sometimes people think someone's their bashert, and they're actually not, and then they will, uh, and they're not meant to be their bashert. Um, we believe that any marriage not sanctioned by God, that God does not want, uh, there are a number of different forms of marriage that are forbidden according to Torah, including intermarriage, um, is not um, one's bashert. Is not the one destined for them. What if they find out later? Then maybe they were Bashert. Yes, I know. I mean, I know they were. I know they were. But um, I'm just saying, like, everyone has sparks. Every soul has. Every soul. Every soul. Every person. Every. Every person has a spark. I disagree with that. <laughs> please. In every... Please. Please. We don't, we don't believe that. Um, we do believe in general, and we have a class coming up on um, what, heaven and hell. Uh, we'll talk about that then. Um, but we don't believe that anyone who's not Jewish um, is... Um, God has it out for them. Um, we do believe that every single person on earth, every descendant of Adam and Eve, um, which includes every person on earth, does have a soul. Um, that soul is here because that God gave them a special, unique mission. Nobody is here on earth without a mission. You cannot be here on earth without a mission. Everyone has a mission. The moment your mission ends, you are dead. You cannot continue to live without a mission. So everyone has a mission. Now, that mission can be from multiple, making up from multiple different souls that were here previously. That mission can evolve over our lifetime as we have seen. There is a, we believe that there is a very distinctive difference between the mission of non-Jews, which are involved the seven Noahide laws that God gave to all of humanity, and the mission of the Jewish people, who are God's chosen people, whom God, with his covenant, gave 613 commandments. And we have a very unique mission in fulfilling God's commandments through the 613 commandments. Now, there's no such thing as a diluted Jew. You are either Jewish or you are not. Anyone who um, enters God's command covenant through the process of 
um, either the original covenant at Sinai or the process of entering God's covenant today that we call Giyur or conversion. Anyone who enters God's covenant and all of them maternal descendants are members of God's covenant and therefore their soul would have the special mission of God's chosen people. Yes, Sandy. Uh, just two quick questions. Um, does anyone, even a Sadiq, completely fill all of their mission? They could. But very few, I mean... Very few very people few can, people but can some people this. can. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, um, the second question was, um, I don't understand. I mean, so there's an infinite number of souls no. that are going to be sent down here? No. There are 600,000 souls or general souls, purposes and missions that were created. And then there were sub-missions that were created as well. And God creates souls as necessary for each mission. So we, we have our soul um, only when we're going to get sent down. So if, if a soul doesn't do what it's required of or it does the opposite, doesn't enhance uh, the world, does that soul, like... Uh, does it suffer or something? Does it? I mean, does it know that's what's going on? Or it will. After death, it will find out what's going on, yes. So let, let me conclude. I know there's a lot of questions. Let me conclude because we're going to run out of time, and then I'll take all the questions. So, um, so great tzaddikim, great, um, great saintly people like the Arizal himself, who had a vision into souls and was able to see souls and had a vision into spirituality, was able to see a soul and able to know what its mission and purpose would be. And Ari therefore gave many examples of the concept of Gilgulim. One example, and in the book Sharha Gilgulim, he gives many biblical examples of different figures in scripture um, and um, other imp- uh, figures in history and explain their purpose and their, their, their mission. One example, uh, just to give you an example, is Tzipora, was Moses' wife. Moses' wife enters the Jewish people, uh, joins the Jewish people at Sinai. She was a Midianite in origin. She was not from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, but she, was, uh, she joins the Jewish people, her children, and she's there w- w- at the covenant at Sinai with Moses. However, she was not there at the Exodus. And importantly, part of her mission was supposed to be to sing praises to God. And she, fe- she did not make it to the splitting of the Red Sea and the song that Moses sang at the Red Sea. And she came only right afterwards. So she missed that. Moses had married her earlier, but she stayed in Midian during the Exodus. And so she missed that. And so she needed to spin off part of her soul to come back to sing that praise to God. And that soul came down in the prophetess Devorah, who sang a beautiful song to God in the book of um, Judges. And so that was kind of an example of the, um, of the Gilgul of um, Tzipporah that came down into Devorah. And there are many, many other examples, that dozens of other examples that Ari gives. Now, the Ari would actually explain to people that would come to him what their Gilgul was, what their Iber was, and how to find their mission. However, for most people, are, most people are not able to see what their mission is. Most people are not able to, are not cognizant in what their mission is. Yet, we all must be aware of the fact that we have a mission. 
Central to the belief in Gilgul and Ibor is the belief that every single person on earth has a unique purpose and mission. And this reminds us that everyone is necessary. Every single person on earth today can do something and has a number of things that they can do that no other person can do. Remember, no two people, no two souls will have the same mission at the same time. Only if a soul fails to fulfill their mission after they die or even during their lifetime will they spin off their mission to somebody else. But no two people can ever have the same mission simultaneously. Every mission is then unique. So every person has their unique role to fulfill. So if God placed you on earth, you matter. You are needed. You're necessary to fulfill your mission. And so a person should never think their actions don't matter. It is very important. It teaches us the value of ourselves and every single individual. There is no individual who is unimportant because everybody has a unique mission that they are meant to fulfill. It also teaches a little us something else. We don't know how to find our mission on earth. We have a guidebook, which is the Torah for the Jewish people and for um, Gentiles. We have um, the um, values of, no, of the seven Noahide rules that are general, general values um, of, uh, that we believe for all of humanity that are the guidebook for our mission. But we don't know the specifics exactly what our mission and purpose is. But we are able, what happens is God sends things in our direction in order for us to fulfill our mission and our purpose. So perhaps talents that we have, you have a specific talent, don't ignore it. If you have a talent, God gave you that talent for you to be able to fulfill your mission. People that you meet, you meet a person, you meet a person that is because God they are likely, especially somebody who is part of your life, they are likely part of your mission or have some role in your mission. You're in a specific place, places you end up. Often we think we're going to end up in one place, we end up somewhere else. We often, we can never predict where we'll end up. You end up in a specific place that is connected to your mission. And so you've got to never say, oh, I shouldn't be here as a mistake. If you're there, that's because God wanted to be, you to be there. In Psalms we say, God directs the footsteps of man. So if you end up in a place, that's probably part of your mission. And so any opportunity, any person, any talent that you have, any place that you go, make the most of it. Don't waste it because that is probably part of your mission. You may meet someone and decline to help them. The Baal Shem Tov taught this. You may meet someone and decline to help them, and your mission was to help that person. You had the opportunity to help them, and you now failed in your mission. Your soul is now going to have to spin off that to help that person, or and maybe a spin off of that person in that way, in order to make up for you having not helped that individual. So you don't know what your mission is, and so we've got to take care, of, we've got to value everything we do, everything that comes our way, and do the most that we can to try to make sure that we fulfill our mission. If we waste an opportunity or we waste, don't do a mitzvah, we may be failing in our mission. Sometimes God will give us another chance within our own lifetimes to make up, but sometimes we 
miss our chances, and then we have to eventually come back. And this also explains that Ari says many things that we cannot understand in life that happen to us. We end up in a place, why did this happen to me? Why was I not accepted for that job? Why was I given this job that I didn't want? Why did I end up with this neighbor who I can't stand? And we have a lot of these whys, all sorts of things happen. And the Ari explains um, that a lot of things that happen to us, sometimes suffering, sometimes even a person can, um, uh, even extreme suffering, sometimes these things are all, part, not always, but sometimes they could be part of our mission. And so rather than say, why me? Why did this happen to me? Uh, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why couldn't it happen differently? And imagine if only it would have been different. If only I would have been able to um, star in a, um, uh, uh, win an Oscar in a, mo- in a movie. Or in o- if only I would have been a basketball player. Or if only, we always think if only, if only I would have married that other person. But when God, when we go in certain directions, sometimes that was your mission, you lost your opportunity, but often God sent us in a different way, in a different direction, because our mission is this way. And finally, the Rebbe would tell people, often things that you find most difficult are your mission, because God always places challenges in our path to give us choice. So often our greatest challenges are put in the place of the most important parts of our mission. So things that we find extremely difficult are often the most central to our mission. Someone once wrote to the Rebbe that they um, feel they're not getting along with their spouse, they were had trouble, and they feel maybe their spouse is not their basher, not meant for them, and they need to go look elsewhere. And the Rebbe responded to them that they may be mistaken, and it may be that their mission is to enhance their basher's life, and because God's making it so difficult for them, um, because that is their mission. So often things that are very difficult and often the hardest things, that itself is our mission. So if we believe in tikkun, which Judaism does believe in, um, and we live a life focused on tikkun, on enhancing our world and fulfilling our mission for which God sent us to this earth, we will be different people because we will live meaningful, fulfilling lives. We'll live different lives and then hopefully in that way we will succeed in filling our mission.